Okay, we're in Colossians chapter 4 this morning, and the title of the message is Watching Unto Prayer and Spiritual or Practical Thoughts, as we find that this last chapter concludes with some various thoughts that uh, are helpful to us as believers, and of course it mentions earnest prayer and to continue in prayer. I guess one of the areas um, we're most familiar with perhaps uh, on a practical level is prayer. Something that we enter into and talk to the Lord and one of the most I suppose informal ways to pray is personally at home when you uh, are alone and perhaps reading your Bible or Maybe you have a devotional book that you're reading and uh, generally perhaps either at the beginning or the end of your time as you read the Bible you have a time for prayer and you pray about uh, personal issues, family members uh, may intercede for people that you know or someone who's in the hospital, somebody who's sick and So it's an informal time of prayer, but it is an important time. And of course, praying at mealtime or praying at other times when there are circumstances which require you to pray and you, you do pray that the Lord will work in a situation and, and continue to, uh, either help you or help those that you are praying praying for. And then, of course, prayer is something that we do in churches. We, um, we pray at the beginning of our services and in, in, in those areas where prayer may be formally addressed publicly. We have corporate prayer, whereas we, we pray together um, in a corporate sense. And uh, prayers of intercession and uh, prayers of thankfulness and, well, I suppose the list of occasions when it may be needful for prayer we find uh, are quite extensive. Um, And so we are often encouraged in the Word of God to pray. And some of the closing comments that the Apostle Paul makes to the Colossian church here is also in the same area of prayer. Earnest prayer. Prayer to continue with thanksgiving. Let us look at uh, verses 1 through 6 first of all. As we find there are some things here that are very practical that he mentions, especially to uh, Paul's request for prayer. And so in verse 1, uh, actually, Masters, give, your, your servants, uh, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Well, this verse here is believed actually prob- probably to go with the previous chapter as it continues with uh, the idea of uh, servants and those in the household that one might be 
uh, have interaction with. Um, not to say that that isn't worthy of some comment this morning, um, but certainly those that you work for or those that you serve or those that you have some um, uh, level of communication to are those um, which also are very important to your personal lives. And people that you might pray for too, by the way. And uh, in fact, one of the areas of prayer that we find is important to us as believers is that we pray for those in authority. We pray for our president. We pray for our governors. We, we pray for our legislators. We pray for people in authority, for all men in authority, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And uh, so probably we can say uh, without hesitation that praying for those that you might work for would be a very good thing to do. That because uh, it is necessary that God be with those that are in society, whether they be employees or employers or whether they be those in higher office and uh, have been placed there, uh, God has ordained those people in those places. And so I trust that you would remember to pray for them. But looking at verse 2 here, he begins to say, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man, every person. And so... The first area I'd like to speak to is that prayer should be our practice. Therefore, he says, watch unto prayer. And so as prayer should be the first line of defense, so to speak, um, we should always pray. I don't think there is probably an individual here who does not pray. It's just that... Uh, we encounter this need to pray upon the basis of many times the things that are going on in our lives. And you are the best uh, uh, judge of those areas of need in prayer. As the Apostle Paul simply says, continue in prayer. Of course he has specific needs himself and and does mention those areas of need. But that does not diminish the application to us as believers that each of us have those areas of need that we judge unnecessary to pray for. And it is a most intimate area. I believe it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon that says prayer is the great rope that hangs down from God that we might ring a bell in the ear of the Lord. 
something to that effect. Not an exact quote. But it's important, I think, just to say this, that we need sometimes, in a very personal way, to get God's attention, don't we? And uh, our talking to God, our praying to God, is something which is important. It is uh, a very personal thing to be involved with. You know, I'm not going to tell you this morning when to pray and when not to pray, nor how long your prayers should be, nor whether it should be set aside in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening. Um, was it Daniel prayed three times a day? He opened the door or the window as it were, so others may even know it, and he faced Jerusalem and he prayed. Well, godly men pray. Godly people pray, whether they be men or women or children, those who fear God, those who love God, those who want to get closer to God, those who believe that God is listening. And I trust that each of you realize that the Lord is listening. The Lord is listening. To those who know Him and love Him, God is listening. And so... Paul's appeal to them, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. We don't, we don't just pray once and stop. We, it is an ongoing activity, a spiritual work of God which he wants us to enter into. And it isn't necessary for you to tell other people when you're doing it. It's just necessary that you do it. And uh, you are the best individual to know the times and the places and the circumstances to enter into that. But the idea is don't stop. Continue. Continue. Make it a practice. You know, even if you say, well, I don't pray as much as I should. Well, okay, I admit that. Myself too. But the idea is that we should continue. Even if we don't pray as much as we should, we can continue to pray and maybe improve upon that. Look to the Lord and ask Him to help you to improve upon that. Or perhaps you know you have, unlike myself many times, it seems you go about your activities in the morning and you find yourself talking to the Lord even though you're perhaps not on your knees or anything. You just say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this particular situation? Or or perhaps you were just doing some activities and you just kind of mentally acknowledge the Lord's uh, ability to be with you during that time. And you find it uh, important just to kind of talk to the Lord about that. And I pray that, see, that is a good thing, isn't it? To continue instant in prayer. Um, and the Bible seems to phrase it that way too. Uh, so our prayers, um, they, they don't have to be of written out in a book to pray. We don't have to write them on paper. Uh, we might have prayer lists, obviously, and some of those prayer lists uh, maybe just help you to focus in on certain areas of need that you don't want to forget, and that is good. But your everyday activities will, no doubt, you will encounter a need 
just to talk to the Lord about those things that are going on in your life. And so continue in prayer and watch. So the word continue is a good uh, action word for the sense of something that is an ongoing. And then there is the word watch here as well. And that also implies that we are to have an alertness to pray. That we are to take the opportunity as it is given to us. As we are watching. As we are observing. As we are in attention to things. As the Lord makes them known to us. He says, watch, watch. And so again, you see, these two words, they kind of work together, don't they? As we continue, as we are actively involved in prayer on a daily basis and the various circumstances that we find ourselves, and as we watch, as we are alert, and as we are looking out, as it were, to the need, he says, watch in the same, in the same with thanksgiving. Now here, thanksgiving is important. Um, Of course, it happens to be a date on the calendar for us in America here. And thanksgiving is coming up and, you know, the various uh, family activities that you have around that time of the year. But this thanksgiving is a sense of of, uh, a barometer, so to speak, as it were, of how we are so much appreciative of God's work in our lives. Thanksgiving to God. And we thank the Lord upon many and various occasions. But thanksgiving means that we are willing to accept whatever God gives to us. We simply thank the Lord whether we have little or whether we have much, whether circumstances uh, seem to play out for us or against us. We are thankful because God is listening and because God is the final answer to the needs that we have. When we think about uh, thankfulness, we are acknowledging something very important. That the Lord himself is the giver of good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above with whom there is no shadow of turning. James seems to indicate to us that, that God, who is the immutable God, the one who is unchanging and ever the same and just and holy and merciful and full of grace that he deserves our thanksgiving as well in our prayer that we thank God for all things and that is uh, an important aspect isn't it to continue in prayer to watch in prayer to be thankful in prayer and to realize that in all prayer is a privilege that we have. In fact, it is the breath of every believer. It is a 
kind of fortitude that we can only find upon our knees, so to speak, even though our prayers may take on other postures, we find that prayer is so important to our very existence as believers. And so Paul encourages us in the earnestness of prayer. Prayer should be our practice. Therefore, watch unto prayer. And then he says for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Well, we do know that uh, Paul had needs for prayer as well. To hold up another person in prayer is necessary to the success of events and activities and circumstances that we enter into as believers. Now what are some of those areas that we often enter into in prayer concerning the success of events or activities or circumstances? Well in the church we know that it is necessary to pray for the one who is ministering the word of God. I believe many of the pastors have a prayer group that even perhaps goes aside in prayer while the activity of ministering is ongoing. Many of the evangelists have done this. They'll have a group of people that will be praying while the evangelist is is speaking. And uh, this is truly a, a good thing, isn't it? To pray that the Word of God may be effectively going forth and uh, touching the hearts and lives of people that the Spirit of God may work. You can pray in your seat while the pastor is preaching. And he wouldn't know anything about it except that God would be strengthening him in the activity of preaching, you see. You can you can do many things in prayer, privately and, and uh, personally, that will be a benefit to others. What missionary does not need a great host of people to pray for that person who has taken on the responsibility of going and telling others or working with others to support the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? whether it be on a foreign field or whether it be in a domestic setting at home. Missionaries need people to pray for them and they have prayer cards and they send out prayer cards just for this purpose that you, people may be aware how to pray. And I know it can be somewhat overwhelming. You, you get all these needs at home, you get all these needs at church to pray for, and then you get all these, these people, extra people, um, such as missionaries or pastors or, or uh, another gospel group or organization that needs prayer and you may say how can I possibly pray for all these people because that would just uh, take up all my time I wouldn't have any time to do the dishes or to wash the clothes or to uh, go to work or to mow the lawn or do all the activities that we normally do but we should not just cast them aside and say, oh, well, they don't need me, they have somebody else. But rather, 
I think perhaps if we keep them on our hearts, God will bring them to our attention when they need it most. Whether it's Christine Sears administering for years in Germany, or Ed Seeley who has been pastoring most of his life and working as an evangelist in Canada in the Maritimes and also abroad in Europe and uh, coming into the States as well. Or whether it is some other missionary that you know through Gospel for Asia or um, many other missionary organizations, there is an opportunity to remember them on occasions. And so I just recommend, you know, keep those people in your mind. Pray for them at certain times, whether you come to perhaps a prayer meeting and that's the time you try to focus on those things, and or then you focus on domestic prayer and issues at home perhaps. Or, In other words, if you fit these people into certain areas in your life that you are involved in, you'll find that they will, their names will come up and you can pray for them and, and uh, it will be a great help to them. And so it is necessary to, to pray for these people uh, and for the success of their activities and their circumstances. And so what does Paul do? He really asks them as well to have some uh, prayer for him. And... Uh, in verse uh, 3, with all praying also for us. For us. He, so he asked personally for prayer for himself and for those with him, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. So where is the apostle? Well, he's, he's being held in confinement. Um, he is um, at the at the whim of the Romans and of Caesar he does not have his freedom and of course you know how he got there he got there because of the Jews that were against him and the accusations that were brought and he finally found himself in Rome and uh, there as he is in confinement but not without opportunity to serve the Lord. You see, it's important, isn't it, that we have opportunities to serve the Lord. And uh, one might think, well, I'm locked away in prison, what am I going to do? I'm not going to do much here. But that wasn't Paul's attitude. Paul's attitude was, I need you to pray for me that there will be an opportunity. There will be a door. And that's what he asked for here. He not only asked for prayer for himself, but he asked that God would open unto us, again, there were people with him, a door of utterance. And so he looked for that door of utterance. If God opens a door for you to minister, you see, you have an opportunity. And uh, this was an area that uh, Paul realized that even though he was in prison, even though he was in confinement, um, there could be an opportunity for him to minister to people. And uh, he wanted that opportunity. And uh, he, he wanted this open door of ministry. 
Well, you know, sometimes if you're in a situation where there is conflict or there is um, somehow some aggression against you or even persecution against you, um, if you do not pray that the Lord will show you how you can minister, how you can perhaps take the gospel to other people in that circumstance, uh, you may get very discouraged. So, in other words, when it goes to prayer, prayer opens doors for us. Prayer opens doors for you. Prayer is something that can move um, the door ajar, that you may be able to work and to minister. And Paul was asking for this. He wanted, he wanted a greater door of opportunity. And so he exhorts them not only to continue in prayer, not only to watch in prayer, not only to be thankful in prayer, but to pray for him and for those who were with him. Uh, Passage out of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul needed that his mind and his heart would be kept through Christ Jesus. You see, Paul was every bit of the person that you are. That is, he was made of human flesh. That he knew what it was to suffer uh, and to have hardship. That he had been through a great deal of difficulties. That he has trials, that he has tribulations that he was facing the uncertainty of circumstances. Well, all of those things apply to you too. They're just on a different, different scale, you know, different level, different circumstances. But prayer is necessary for us. It was necessary for the apostle. We need to see the people in the Bible as being human. We need to see them as being who they really are. They're just people like you and I. It's just that God most wonderfully directed their lives that we might have the privilege of reading the circumstances of their lives that we might understand even in our own life how God works in us too. You see, God was working in the life of the apostle even though he was in this very uncertain situation. With all praying also for us. He says, pray for us. And of course, um, at the end of the chapter, the us are all outlined here. There are many different people. There's Tychicus, um, brother and faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. Um, There is Onesimus in verse 9, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things, that shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salute you, and Marcus, sister's brother to Barnabas, um, and Jesus, who is called Justus, you see Jesus was a common name in the first century, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. 
Epaparus, also mentioned in verse 12, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayer, that ye may stand perfect and complete in the will, all the will of God. And notice that Epaparus is especially known as one who prayed, who prayed for others. He was a, a prayer warrior. Uh, and so he, 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 was, uh, he was working with the apostle Epaparus. And uh, Luke, in verse 14, the beloved physician, and then Demas also greet you. Um, he says, salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos, and the church which is in his house. So we know the church of Laodicea. Uh, Colossae was uh, near Laodicea, and then there was Hierapolis, which was, which was next to that, and Nymphus was an individual who had a church in his house, uh, and he mentions him. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of, of the Laodiceans, and that ye, be, ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So the epistle was to be read at Colossae, as well as at Laodicea, and uh, Archippus as well. Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. And then he makes a closing comment, which we'll speak of in a moment. But those are all the people, those are the us, if you will. Those are the us, with all praying also for us, verse 3 that God would open unto us a door of utterance. In other words, that the word of God may be able to be preached freely. A door of utterance. You see, here is a very important area, isn't it, to pray. To pray for an open door, an opportunity, if you will, but then to pray for a door of utterance, an opportunity to speak the word of God. Once you've got the door open, what do I say? See, once the door is open for the pastor or the missionary, for the evangelist, for you, uh, what do I say? What do, uh, I want God to use the very words that I speak, you see. And so the apostle said, pray for me that I'll know what to speak. I've got to speak. I've got to say something. If God opens the door, I've got to say something. You see, here's, an, here's a wonderful, wonderful area of prayer for you. If you want to speak for God, pray that He'll open the door for you to do it. Then pray that He will give you the words to say. Oh, you don't want to rush in and say whatever you want. You want to just say what God wants you to say. That's all you want to say. Because if it's what God wants you to say, then there will be some fruitfulness from it, won't it? And see, that's the, that's the whole key right there. We want to be fruitful in, in the things that we say. And so Paul was asking for a prayer for the people, that he, for himself and for those with him. He was asking that the opportunity would come, the door would be opened. He was asking that an utterance would be made, that the word could go forward uh, into the life of people. And remember, he's in, a, he, he's in kind of like the, uh, uh, the vortex of where things could happen. He was in Caesar's palace, so to speak. He was at the epicenter of where, if the word of God would take hold in the hearts of some people, 
he would move and shake some very important people in Caesar's household. I mean, it would be, it would be like Washington, D.C. Here he is, right in the middle of the Capitol. And he's got all these politicians around him. And he has an opportunity. Oh, he's looking for a door. He's looking for the right things to say. And if he can use it, if he can say it, if God will but use him, you see, Paul was a very wonderfully talented individual and bold to do this. And he was willing to think outside the box, as they sometimes say, you know, to approach, approach the situation and look for God to do this. A door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in bonds. The mystery of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ who is the head of the church. Christ who is the one who came to redeem the world. To bring salvation to the hearts of those who would trust in him as Savior and Lord. The mysteries of Christ. He wanted to be able to speak the mysteries of Christ. Christ is a mystery that needs to be unveiled to many people. And you have an opportunity to pray for others that that would be done. You have an opportunity to do it yourself. You have an opportunity to be in, involved in that whole process of opening up the mysteries of Christ. And you may be saying, well, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor, I'm not uh, a very good orator. Or, or you, you may be saying a lot of things like that. Well, don't worry about those things. Just be concerned about praying that the Lord would give you an opportunity. Just be concerned about praying that he would give you the right word to say. God can go from there. And you may just plant the seed, right? Or you may water the seed. Or you may be involved in bringing somebody into the family of God. You, you may not do it all. You, you aren't expected to do it all. All you are expected to do is, is your part. Just do your part. Just be the witness God wants you to be. And let God do the rest. You see, Paul had a number of other people with him. Around him. That knew him. That were also of like precious faith in Christ and we've already spoken about those people they, they were there and Paul was asking for this door of opportunity for them and for the utterance that they might have as much as for himself you see as believers we all need the same thing we need God at work in our lives that he may use us according to his will and his purpose. <clears throat> Going on to verse 4, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He wanted to be effective. The word manifest is to, of course, to reveal something, to make it manifest, to actively make it efficient and effective. And he wanted to do this. He, he wanted to be effective in the ministry that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. As I ought to speak. You see, he, remember, he was sent to be 
an apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, so he wanted to fulfill the very thing that God had ordained him to do. Well, you are ordained also to the gospel of Christ. You are ordained to the gospel. And um, I might just read a couple of verses that you are very familiar with, but ones that I think are necessary. In verses 8 and 9 and 10 of Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, you are ordained to do something. You are ordained. The good works of God that you are ordained, you are ordained to walk in them. Paul was ordained to do what he had to do. He was ordained to be a minister of the gospel where he was. He had those who were helping him. He needed prayer. Epaparus was praying for, for the people back at Colossae, and no doubt for himself and for Paul and for the others. Paul wanted continued prayer for the door of opportunity. He wanted to be able to speak through that door of opportunity, and he wanted to give them the mysteries of the gospel of Christ. And he wanted to be able to make that manifest. Verse 5, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Now he knew, of course, that there were those outside of the gospel. You know, you could draw a little circle around yourself, and it might include a number of other believers that you are acquainted with, your little circle of, of, of people that you know. But outside of that, there is bound to be some people that you don't know and that don't know the Lord. And you want, look, you want an opportunity to speak to them about Christ. Someone has said that walking the gospel is every bit as good as preaching it. And so if you're really, really good at walking the gospel, you may get an opportunity to speak the gospel to someone. And so, he says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. The idea of redeeming the time is to buy up the time. And so it is that um, we have to use the wisdom of God, we have to look for the opportunity, and take it when it comes. And so, here is a, a very good element of need in prayer to pray for opportunities to pray for wisdom to speak to pray that we may be able to seize those opportunities when they come to buy them up well you see there's only one person that can can tell when that opportunity is really working for you and that's you that's between you and the spirit of God Nobody else can do that for you. You alone have that interaction by prayer with the Lord. 
you alone have that opportunity of the open door or the word of utterance or redeeming the time, buying up the opportunity, taking that moment and using it. It may be a word, it may be an encouragement to somebody, it may be just befriending someone, it may be planting the seed, it may be watering the seed, whatever it is, God will give it to you through prayer and through those opportunities that he sends your way. And then sixthly here on the, the last verse, he says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. And so the key phrase here is speech seasoned with salt. That is grace seasoned with salt. Grace is, of course, from God. And that's where God gives us that moment to say the right thing. His grace is being manifest in some particular way, but you want it seasoned with salt. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, we give them the grace of God, but we have to give them a little bit of salt. And the salt is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Both are wonderful truths. One tells them that grace is available. The other one says, it's available because you have a need. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Grace seasoned with salt. You see, we need both, don't we? In the Bible. And in our lives. Need a little salt on our food sometimes to bring out the flavor. You see? We need a little, a little salt sometimes to bring out the savor of our Savior. That we might tell others about Christ. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man, every individual, every person. If we have grace in our hearts, and if we have that grace seasoned with salt, we will know how to answer every individual. If they ask us a question, you will, you will have both. You will have the grace of God and the salt. In the Old Testament, I believe the salt was given without measure to the priests to put upon the sacrifices when they were brought. Salt was given without measure. And we need to recognize that God's grace and God's salt work together. They work together. You know, and if we are working upon that opportunity by prayer, if we are believing that God is going to issue His word to us, His utterance, if we believe that God is the author and the finisher of faith, that we might be effective in the ministry, you see. Grace seasoned with salt will not bring back a wrong result. 
it will bring back the right result, you see. So we need both. We need both. You can't tell somebody they're just going to go to heaven and that's it, and, that, and, and call that the gospel. No, you have to have grace seasoned with salt. You have to let them know why they need the salvation of God. And so we find watching unto prayer with these practical thoughts that Paul gives are very important. He says, continue in prayer, watch unto prayer, be thankful in prayer, pray for others, pray for us, he says, pray for a door of opportunity, pray that the mysteries of Christ may be spoken freely, use the wisdom of God in doing so, redeem the time and buy up the opportunities, and then let your speech be seasoned. The grace of God, seasoned with salt. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. Pray that you will minister it to our hearts in a way that will be most useful and that you will work it into our lives, that when opportunity arises, we too may be men and women of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, for our closing hymn, number 584, Abide With Me.